as we were walking through the worship service this morning, I was encouraged by Jessica's scriptures that she gave because it really laid the foundation for this morning. I, I love it when God just weaves together a service and, and puts it all together. But I came across a story as I begin this new series this morning called True North. And I want to talk about how to navigate life confidently. I came across a story about an event that happened back in 1916. There was a seaman by the name of Ernest Shackleton, and he and his six companions performed one of the greatest feats in navigational history. They launched off in a little lifeboat in the Southern Ocean in freezing waters in a daring attempt to save their 21 other friends who were left stranded on a frozen island. Well, how did this happen? Well, 15 months earlier, as they attempted to become the first expedition to cross Antarctica, their ship became icebound. Ice gathered in, ship was stuck. And after several months, ice eventually crushed and sunk their ship. For two months, they camped on floating ice until the ice broke in two and, and they had to get in their lifeboats and they, they were able to navigate 350 miles to another island called Elephant Island. And that island was absolutely inhospitable. With supplies running low, they were either going to freeze to death or they would starve to death. And even if a ship could get to them, no one could find them. That no one would even come to their rescue. And so their only hope was in another island that was 720 nautical miles away. Across some of the stormiest waters on earth in the middle of winter. They would encounter bitter cold. They would encounter icebergs, waves 70 feet high, 80 mile an hour winds, with virtually no navigational device. There was no GPS system in those days. They would have to hit their target precisely, spot on, or they would be swept out into 3,000 miles of empty ocean. You had to either be a fool or you had to be desperate to attempt such a feat. Well, the greatest problem that they had in, in, in their endeavor to, to rescue these, these men, these six individuals that got in the largest lifeboat that they had, they pushed off of Elephant Island heading for South Georgia, and their biggest problem was the lack of navigational devices as well as the weather. Because in the 20... In the 17 days that it took to go from where they were to 700 miles away, they only saw this sun for four days. Four days out of 17 days, this sun was visible. It was virtually invisible at nighttime. Their navigator recalled what, what seamen called dead reckoning. That's where they, they use a seaman's calculation of courses and distance. That, to come up with a, a precise bearing that their navigator said, for us, it was 
the best guess. With no bearing, virtually no sun, no stars at night, it was our best guess, and we had to hit it precisely. Well, when the sun came out, they said we had to be ready for it, and we were. And that was all that was needed. They were able to get their bearings. They completed one of the greatest navigational feats of seamanship in history. And they reached South Georgia. They were able to come back. And By the way, they went through a hurricane that actually sunk a large ship. And from there, they returned and rescued the men alive from Elephant Island. What an incredible story. And as I thought about that story, I thought about how so many of us, we go through life and, and it's either we go through life in, in smooth sailing or sometimes, maybe for you this morning, life seas are a little bit rough. Maybe it, you're walking through choppy waters right now. And, and when we go through a storm in our lives, sometimes we wonder how in the world are we going to survive it? Where are we going in life? How can we confidently take some next steps? The only hope of a sailor in, in surviving a storm and navigating an ocean is to have a fixed bearing. Because without a fixed bearing, you have no idea where you are and you have no idea where you are going. It reminds me of the pilot that, was, that came on the intercom and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, and he says, I have some good news and I have some bad news. He says, our navigational device is out. It's not working. That's the bad news. We have no clue where we are going. But the good news is we're making great time. And so without a navigational device, you, are, you have no idea where you are and you have no idea where you are going. The first navigators kept sight of the land. They had fixed landmarks that they knew, that tree, that hill, that mountain. And, and they were able to navigate as long as they were able to see land. Those that pushed out further from land had, had to look to the heavens for navigational source. And eventually, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, they discovered the North Star. And, and out of that, they were able to get other bearings and fixed points. But, but the North Star for them was, was, was key. Without that, they had no clue where they were. As knowledge grew and celestial navigation developed, they, they were able to to add other devices like sextants and compasses to aid in their device. And then all of that is now given away to, to global positioning satellites, GPS, that, have, that allow us to have a fixed longitude and latitude as well as maybe even altitude. And the satellites allow us to know where we are and know where we are going. So how do we navigate life confidently? How do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be? How do we do that confidently? Well, as believers, our North Star is the triune Godhead that is revealed to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That is our North Star. And as long as we can keep our eyes on that North Star, then we're not going to get lost. We'll know where we are and we'll know where we are going. And so we have the Bible, we have the words of Jesus that are given to us as our guide to help us, to to know how to navigate through life. In the Bible, we hear God's voice. We hear him speaking to us. And the Holy Spirit takes this written word and he transforms it into his spoken word that speaks into our heart. And I know you've heard me say this before, and, but I'll ask it again. How many have ever read a verse and you've read a verse and you've read a verse and then one day you read that verse? That's, that's the Holy Spirit taking this written word and speaking it, making it come alive into our heart. The Bible says the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce and divide between the soul and the spirit. It's alive. It's active. Revelation 22, Jesus is speaking to John, who is in exile on the island of Patmos. And listen to what Jesus said. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you the things in the churches. And listen to this. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David. I thought that's an interesting statement. And what he's saying is, in my divinity, I am the root. In other words, I existed before David, but in my humanity, I am his offspring. I came after him. I'm the root and the offspring of David. Look at this last line, the bright and the morning star. He's our North Star that we can gaze upon, that we can know where we are and where we are going. There's a discourse in the Bible that, that shows us really how to use the Word of God. If you have your Bible, you could turn there, if you would, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, there's this, this conversation that goes on between Jesus and Satan. Jesus has just declared himself as the Messiah, stood in the temple with the word of God, quoted out of Isaiah chapter 61, declaring himself as the Messiah. And from that point, notice this, verse one, and then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So this wilderness experience was not a defeating moment for Jesus. I want you to capture that this morning in your heart, that when you walk through a wilderness time, it, is, it does not have to be a defeating moment for you. It wasn't for Jesus. He went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you even jump to the end of the story in verse 14, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, he was filled with the Spirit, and he had the power of the Spirit working with him and in him. It's good news, by the way, when you're going through a storm or a trial or a wilderness. He was, verse 2, he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. 
you would be too. And the devil said unto him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered and said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Underline that. And then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All of this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he took him and brought him up to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Notice Satan's strategy now. For it is written, you shall keep his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said, it has been said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And now the devil had ended every temptation. He departed until a more opportune time. As I was reading this story, I, I, I felt that there were three areas that allow us, that we can glean from this story, that allow us to navigate life confidently. Let me give them to you. Number one is this. Navigating life requires a deep knowledge of the Word of God. A deep knowledge of the Word of God. Jesus was able in this instant, in every temptation, he was able to come back with, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he was even able to know the difference when the scripture is using, used right and when it is used wrong. Because even the devil himself came back and said, oh, oh you're going to play that game? I can play it too. It is written. And Jesus was able to, to know that, that Scripture must be used rightly. You see, when it is used rightly, you can put the devil on defense. And you can send him packing his bags and running away. And yet so many of us, we tend to fight him with the little knowledge that we have, or, or we try to do it in our own strength. And that would be like a navigator trusting his own instincts, relying on his own intuitions, or ignoring his own instruments. And so it's important that you have, and we have, a deep understanding of the Word of God. Let me give you a, a practical illustration. My brother, Ed, is an excellent pilot. He's a private pilot with his license that he's had since he was about 20 years old. And I would fly with him anytime I would fly with him anywhere. We have, we have flown many, many miles together. We've flown to Florida together. We've flown to Kentucky together. We've flown to Michigan together. We've flown all over the Midwest together. We've put many hours in that plane. And I, I trust him 
implicitly. He, he's diligent to inspect the plane, do the walk around, to go through his pre-flight checklist. And, and private pilots, by the way, have, have two ratings. There's a visual rating. That means that you can only fly if you can see where you are going and you can see the ground. In other words, you can't fly through a cloud. You have to fly around a cloud. You have to know where you're going. You have to be able to see where you're going, and you have to be able to see the ground. And, and the best kind of a, a day to go flying is what pilots called KVU. It's an acronym, C-A-V-U, Ceiling and Visibility Unlimited. And that is when flying is the most beautiful Pilots describe flying like this. It is hours upon hours of peaceful bliss, punctuated by moments of stark terror. <laughs> when I, whenever I, I fly somewhere and I land, people often ask, how was your flight? And, and my usual answer is uneventful, just like I like it. <laughs> My brother is also instrument rated, which means he can fly even if he cannot see ahead or he cannot see the ground. He can fly right through the middle of the clouds. It's difficult to get that rating. And in fact, the test is, is quite strenuous itself. After, after you've gone through all of the, the preparation, all of the, the book work and the classwork, as you take your test, they put a hood over your heads that prevents you from looking out the windshield, looking out the side windows, and you've got to take off, fly to a destination, and land only by using your instruments. You can't use anything visual to guide you. You have to trust your instruments, and it is drilled into you over and over and over again. Trust your instruments. Many of you remember when John F. Kennedy Jr., when he crashed into the ocean and flew his plane into the ocean, all of the experts uh, agreed that, that, the, that the most probable cause was, one, he was a relatively inexperienced flyer. He had two powerful of a plane, and he was inexperienced in flying night conditions, and especially he was flying beyond his experience. And he was unable to locate the horizon, and he did not trust the instruments. He relied on his own instinct, and as a result, he flew the plane right in the middle of the ocean. Christ followers need to learn the same lesson as Jesus did. You have to trust the instrument. You have to have a, a deep knowledge. If you're going to navigate through life confidently, you can navigate through life with a casual understanding, but if you're going to navigate through life confidently, you have to have a deep understanding of the word of God because it is so tempting to trust our own instincts and our intuitions and our own desires because they're blaring at us all the time. We are our best audience. We listen to ourselves more than anybody else and it's tempting to do our own thing and to steer by our own moral seat of the pants. 
The psalmist David, he wrote this in Psalm 119. He said, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. With my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So as Christ followers, we, we must trust the instruments, trust the word of God, take the example of our master by living out with solid confidence scripture as the firm foundation in our life. So number one, have a deep knowledge. Number two, you must also, if you want to navigate life confidently, you must have a working knowledge of the word of God. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to have a working knowledge. Jesus not only knew scripture, he knew how to use it. He was a student of the Bible. His respect for the word of God was shown in his refusal to allow Satan to sneak by, to, to throw a scripture in out of context. And he called him on it. And he doesn't let us get by either. Scripture has a meaning that is intended by, by the divine author. And, and so God's word, the text, must be handled carefully. We, we must allow God to speak to us out of the text rather than manipulating the text to speak to our own desires. One time my brother and I, we were flying in a small plane in, in a... In, and uh, actually, it was a, a plane that he had borrowed. We were flying back from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And early and after, shortly after Sandy and I were married, my brother and I worked together as one of the joys of my life. And, and we, um, we were having some meetings in Grand Rapids, and we were flying back late at night from there back to the Twin Cities. And and we were flying instrument rating. In other words, it was complete cloud cover. I, you, you, here's the window, there's the cloud. I mean, you just can't see anything. You can't see the stars, you can't see a horizon. It's just, it's black, it's dark, and, and there's nothing there. And, and I remember my brother, I remember that night so clearly. My brother was, was giving me some lessons and and. and showing me the value and the importance of trusting your instrument. Because unbeknownst to me, he put the plane in about a 45 degree angle and we were flying like this. But you didn't know it. It was as if you were sitting in your chair right now. We were flying at that 45 degree angle and it was as if we were flying level. If you've ever flown and, and your plane is making a bank, you don't turn like that, you're sitting you're sitting still. Your, your coffee or whatever is still on your tray. And that's, that's where pilots can get into trouble if they don't rely on their instruments. So we were flying, and, and he wanted to, to get his bearing, to reset the navcom to where we were going, and, and he turned on the dome light, and as he flicked on the dome light, there was an electrical short, and it knocked out all of the lights in the plane. So we were flying at night, complete cloud cover, with no lights. We went from a, it's obviously always a serious situation when you're flying, but we went from that to a life and death situation 
like this. And I'm thinking, man, I just got married. I don't want to die, you know. It's, and, uh, and so, but my brother is just as, as calm as if we were sitting in his living room. He said, he said, grab my flight bag. He said, there are two flashlights inside. And he said, and your job is to hold the flashlight on the panel. And so until we were able to land in some small airport outside of Milwaukee, that was my job, was to hold one flashlight on the instruments. Because if we could not see the instruments, we would have no idea what our altitude was, no idea what the level is, no idea where the bearing is. And we would have crashed somewhere in the middle of Lake Michigan. And I wouldn't be here. They'd still be looking for me, by the way. And I wouldn't be here. You'd have some other pastor. Now, no amens, by the way. <laughs> but, but we would, I, I, it would have been a very serious situation. And so I held that flashlight and used the other one periodically as we, as we rechecked. Uh, the map and, and the guidance to know where we were going and, and we landed safely and we got a hotel night that night and flew out the next day. It's one thing to have a deep knowledge. It's another thing to have a working knowledge. Because here's what my brother had done over and over and over again. He would sit in his living room and he would go through his pre-check list, sitting in his chair, in the safety of his living room. And he would walk through scenarios. I'm taking off. I'm 100 feet above the air. This emergency happens. What do I do? And he would walk through scenario after scenario. And he would repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. So that when that event happened... He knew exactly what to do. And this is why it is important to have a working knowledge of the word of God. Listen to what Paul wrote Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, being able to know when it's used correctly, when it's not used correctly. How do we do that? In your handout, I gave you some tools that you can use. Some things that I've used. One is have a Bible reading plan. Out on the info table is one that the Gideons have put forth. It's a Bible reading calendar. Allows you to read the Bible through in a year. Did you know 15 minutes a day you can read the Bible cover to cover in one year? 15 minutes a day. Or so you say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Read through the New Testament. That takes you five minutes a day. Five minutes a day you can read through the New Testament in one year. Have a Bible reading plan. Have a path. Have a chart. Know where you are going. Have a journal to record what you have learned. What did I learn out of what I read today? Use study tools. Some two that I use I would say I use weekly. One is called blueletterbible.org. It's a tool that I use. It allows you, it has some commentaries that are in there, and it allows you to find out what the original 
word is, what the Hebrew word or the Greek word is, get, to get a deeper meaning. Or uh, BibleGateway.com has some other great tools that you can use. The Bible app, get a Bible app on your phone or your tablet. There's a lot of great ones, uh, version. Um, there's uh, Gideon's has one. Uh, there's a, a card out there that shows you how to download that app. Uh, Bible Gateway has one as well. What do you do? Ask some questions when you're studying the Bible. Here's questions that I ask. What does this passage mean? What does it mean? What's the context behind this passage? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Taking this written word. Now, what is he saying to my heart? How it is affecting me? And then thirdly, how does this apply to me? How am I going to apply this word into my life? So have a deep knowledge, a working knowledge, and lastly, navigating life requires a lifestyle of obedience to the Word of God. It's one thing to have knowledge, another thing to have a working knowledge, but you also have to now obey it. No sailor would be foolish enough to take readings and then throw the compass overboard. And say, well, I'm not going to trust it. I'm just, I'm just going to trust my own instinct. To, to navigate through the sea, a sailor has to know where he is, have the right tools, know how to use them if he's going to navigate the waters. And we have to do the same thing if we're going to navigate through life. But it's not enough to have them or, you, or even use them. We've got to obey them. What does the word of God say to me? And here's my experience. Here's what I have found is in my life, and by the way, 52 years of walking with the Lord, every single time that I have obeyed the word of God, I've been able to navigate life confidently and courageously. I've been able to get through to the other side. When I've trusted my own instincts or, or, or gone my own way, it, I've usually failed miserably. But every time that the word of God has been obeyed, it's been able to get me safely to the other side. And here's what I found is that the Bible gives both direct commands as well as just overarching principles. Here's how to live life. And it covers every area of your life, from your marriage, your parenting, your finances, your leadership, your, your ministry, whatever it may be, your daily walk, your relationships with other people. You want to know how to go through life? Get the Word of God in you. Use it and obey it. Let me close with this scripture. When Joshua was, was now in charge of leading the children of Israel after Moses had died and leading them into the promised land, God came to him and gave him a pathway, gave him a navigational tool, said that if you'll use this tool, you'll make it. You'll succeed. And it's here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Let's take a look at this. God said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, have a deep knowledge of the word of God. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Always be studying the word of God. The word there literally means to mutter it, to, to, to speak it over and over and over and over again. 
to, to, to understand it, to get a deep understanding of the word of God. So do not let the word of God depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. In other words, get a working knowledge. Get a working knowledge. Don't just have a deep knowledge, but get a working knowledge of the word of God. Know how to use it. Know how to apply it in your life. But then look at this third area. That you may observe. That you may observe. You, you could put in the word obey. That you may obey it. That you may observe to do according to all that is written. How much of it? Part of it? All of it. That you may do according to all that is written in it. Notice this last line. For then, for then, you. This is the one place in the Bible where God says, where God puts the emphasis upon you. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God is saying, if you will have a deep knowledge of the word of God, know how to work the word of God and diligently obey the word of God you will make your way prosperous. You'll get to the other side of the storm. Whatever storm you're going through right now, whatever moment in life, however the sea is in your life, it may be calm, it may be beautiful, it may be stormy. But if you do those three things, you will confidently navigate your life safely to the other side. Amen.